my name is Deborah Hamilton, and welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This podcast seeks to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view and disciplines. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of this podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations so that every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to your joining us on this journey toward a better understanding of similar and divergent points of view. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening first. I'm so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's get started. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and this is the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? We're with Ann Tomzik today. She's the CEO of Preventivet, and I'm so glad she's here. And she's also the mother of two dogs, probably some children too, but maybe not, because those are the dogs are so much easier than the children. Uh, so, Ann, thank you so much for being here. Tell us a little bit about why do pets matter to you? Well, they matter a lot because I really wanted them as a child, and I was allergic to animals. So I decided to actually move my career into a creative path of, I thought I'd be a, a wildlife photographer so that I could be amongst animals, but from far away. And thankfully over time, once I got into my thirties, I started to outgrow the allergy. And I also realized that animals do come in a quasi hypoallergenic form. <laughs> so I got my first Portuguese water dog when I was uh, 30. And it changed my life because it, it, it actually, I didn't have children. I wasn't married at the time. It really made me think that there's another being that I'm now responsible for. And it really grounded me from that perspective of responsibility. I think that's what millennials are doing now in terms of they're having the pets first and the children later. And that's kind of what I did. So it was a great companion. I named him Bo, uh, B-E-A-U, which is boyfriend in French. And he was, he was my guy and he just meant a ton to me. He came everywhere I went. Um, he came to work with me. It just, it added a lot to my life and I've never been without a dog since. So that is such an interesting story because so many children um, these days have allergies and some to dogs or cats. And so they don't grow up with animals and having grown up with animals, I know that that was such a big part of my childhood. Yeah. And then to think of a, a profession that you could do where you could be around animals, but not around animals, which I think is great. So tell me a little bit more about growing up without animals and, and obviously having friends who did have animals. Did they come to you or did you go to them? I had to, I had to have friends come to me. I couldn't even have um, stuffed animals because I was allergic to dust as well. I was a really, really allergic child. So it, it was a real bummer. <laughs> it was a real and bummer. thank God in your 30s, your body said, all right, we've tortured her enough. We're going to let her, you know, have yeah. a dog. And then tell me a little bit about the wildlife photography, because that is so why do pets matter? I mean, taking pictures is, is hugely, for me, it holds that moment in time. Right. So I didn't become a wildlife photographer, but I certainly moved into the path of of photography and video and, and that's what I got my degree in. And but I'm I have the other side of me that loves business. So 
So I went into corporate communication and corporate marketing, um, but always had the love of animals and built a career for 30 years. And in the last nine, have been able to transition it to purely only focusing on animals and taking my craft and my expertise and just applying it to this industry and to helping save lives and, and work with pet owners and pets on a daily basis. And now it sounds, if you hear any dogs in the background eventually, it sounds like we run a dog daycare here because we have so many of the employees that bring their animals to work, which is just- And that's such a great workplace, especially when everyone is sort of pet friendly. It's, it's just a, a great ability to have animals in the space. Um, and that you can have animals in the space and you can be such uh, a vibrant part of it because, you know, the allergies were lifted, thank God. Tell us a little bit about how you found out um, about Portuguese water dogs and how they actually are hypoallergenic. There are a few dogs that are hypoallergenic. Bichons are another one, little white dogs. Uh, and I think Maltese are also because they have hair, not fur. Um, but what made you choose uh, Portuguese? So we had a dog visit the office when I was working. Somebody was leaving for the long weekend and brought their dog at the end of the day to, to take with them. And it was- and This was another office. This was, this was corporate, long, long yeah. time ago. And I thought it was a standard poodle. And it came towards me and it was just my natural instinct to always just like love on the animal but not touch the animal because I didn't- I didn't want to get anything on my hands that would impact my allergies. And the person said, Oh no, you can, you can touch her. She's friendly. And I said, Oh, it's not that I'm scared. It's that the allergy part. So she's like, Oh no, this is a Portuguese water dog. It's hyperallergenic. And I never really thought about that. And, and it's medically, it's technically not true. I mean, it, they are As standard. Born. Yeah, they're far easier on people with allergies, but there are still some that, that affect you. So, so in the next following six months, I made a mission to find a great breeder to go out and spend time with, with their dogs um, and spend time with a litter that they had just had. And they were all spoken for, but I spent time and I smelt them and I cuddled with them. And it's like, nope, I'm fine. I, it's not affecting me. And one of them ended up being available, one of the puppies, and that was that was Bo, and took him home a few weeks later. <laughs> and it's you know it's such an experience I th I would think to be able to have something you've wanted so much after so many years, and then being able to sit in a litter with a breeder who is breeding for really good purebred dogs, uh, you know, what we now call the preservationist breeders, um, you know, and, and porties, as they're called affectionately by the, those in the know, um, porties are bred to do specific things. And that sometimes makes them a little bit of a challenge as a pet. Did Bo have any of those challenges? He, he, they're an active breed. So you have to be prepared to give them enough exercise and all that. So he didn't have any challenges, but he needed, he needed activity and mental stimulation and all of that. We just got a, then I got a Portuguese, another second Portuguese wire dog a year and a half later. So I had two for much of the time. And then th those have since passed, but we, we got one another six, six months ago. We got one. So we have a puppy now. She's just turned a year and she's, 
very, very active, but so lovely. You know, you forget. You you forget yeah. what having a puppy is. You know, you, you remember all the great times and you never think about... You never remember. It's, I always say it's like childbirth. You know, having a puppy is like childbirth. If you remembered what it was like, you would never have another one. Um, and in, in the world of, of dogs that are purpose-bred, uh, being able to have one or two is absolutely, it's the cat's pajamas. We love it. I mean, it's just the best. So I, I can feel you because I have Irish setters and I have a three-year-old um, who is about in his mind's eye maybe six months old. Uh, so he's getting much better. He does lay down for short periods of time now, which is what we seek, you know, the, the 15 minutes of silence, right? <laughs> yes. And what's your new girl's name? Clover. Clover. What a great name. That is so perfect. So I want to take us a little bit back because you said something at the beginning that said you now work in a place where you can be helpful to pet owners and their pets. And so tell us a little bit about what you do as the CEO of Preventivet. Yeah. So uh, I founded uh, Preventivet over six years ago with a veterinarian, Dr. Jason Nicholas. And I had met him and really liked, really liked his personal mission, which was looking at health from a preventive perspective. And really that's how I look at human health. I want to be as preventive as possible. And I thought, well, I never really thought about it from a, from a pet's perspective. I mean, we, we take them to the vets and we get our preventatives and our vaccines and all the things that are necessary, but I didn't really think about all the other stuff. And I, I just, I just thought people need to know this because I ha had already had a dog for 15 years at that point and was having aha moments left and right by being just talking with him and learning what he was what he found to be very important and i said i said more people need to know this I'm and, I think, owner and i don't know this stuff and i think that's the the greatest piece about preventive vet because i found preventive vet p-r-e-v-e-n-t-i-v-e-v-e-t because when you say it really quickly it seems like preventive prevent vet but it's preventive vet mm -hmm. to preventive vet um and I know I found Jason because he and I had so much in common with how to care for your pets long-term, short-term, how to make plans for them, how to, you know, yeah. put documents in order. So we had a long conversation about that many years ago when he and you probably first started, um, mm -hmm. or at least two or three years ago. And it's just amazed me about the aha moments. So our audience is sitting here waiting patiently to hear some of the aha moments. I know one of them for me was that Jason pointed out, you really need to leave the veterinarian a plan of how to care for your pet if you can't care for it. And we had a discussion about that uh, mm -hmm. because most owners don't realize that, that the relationship between their veterinarian and themselves and their pet is their relationship. And unless they put in their file another name, mm -hmm. Deborah Hamilton cannot bring Fluffy into the vet for Ann Tomzik unless Ann Tomzik has put Deborah Hamilton's name. Now, some vets will do it because they figure, well, probably. But quite frankly, ethically, they're not supposed to. Yeah, I think, I think they would, um, for the care of the animal, certainly take care of any pain and suffering. But any, any major decisions that need to be made uh, certainly needs to be advocated by somebody who's 
who's been given the right to do so. And so we have, we have a form that we've created on our site. It's a downloadable form that you can actually fill out for uh, any pet sitter or family member who's taking care of your animal. And that form, if, if you need to, you then bring to the vet with you. It grants that, um, that person the ability to act on your behalf, your contact information and everything is there. But I mean, we've had so many instances where people are out at sea on a cruise, they can't be contacted and something's happening to their animal. And, and they're in a standstill position. The vet is, is doing the, you know, the best to maintain, best to maintain the, the pain or the situation, but there are some very serious calls that have to be made for surgery or whatever it is. So it, it's something to be prepared for um, in the advent that it happens. So it's really interesting when people go on vacation that they don't recognize the extra people they have to let know because they have their caregivers. The dogs are either in a kennel or somebody's coming in to take care of them or they've gone to live with someone to take care of them. And they give the person instructions on how to care for the dog most of the time they probably give the vet information to the caregiver, but they don't take that one additional step, which is giving the caregiver directives on what to do if the pet gets sick and giving the veterinarian the document that they can download off your website that says in case of emergency, break the glass, here's the letter, let her do what she needs to do. It, it is such an important piece of animal ownership and um, preparing, you know, you, you really want to prepare for any eventuality and it doesn't have to be that you die. I mean, I have so many people who say, listen, I've got it in my will and it's great. That's wonderful. But how many of us, you know, break a leg, uh, get stuck on a cruise ship, whatever, can't take care of our pets and any directive that's in your will doesn't come to fruition. So it really is the document that they could download from Preventivet is fabulous. What's the name of it? It is a temporary care. They can find it at preventivet.com. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you look up uh, care, jeez, uh, I should know this. Definitely. Oh, that's fine. You know why? Because they can now go around the um, website and figure out just how wonderful Preventivet is. So tell me a little bit more about some of the aha. Oh, you're going to look it up now. She's cheating people. I just want you to know she's cheating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but tell me a few more of the aha. So we talked about, oh, my God, you have to tell your vet. Who knew? Um, and then a few of the other ahas, which would be, you know. Okay. So I've cheated. I've gone back. So it's a treatment authorization and pet medical history form. But if you look up, even if you just Google it, you will find our site. If you just put in treatment authorization, you'll find, you'll find the form. Perfect, folks. And we'll also get that link from Anne and put it at the bottom of the podcast, just in case you want to go to it directly. But some other aha moments, I know I have about 20 of them that I've had aha moments, but let me know what yours were. Sure. I was quite shocked that I did not even consider the fact that animals can suffocate in bags. It's all over the place in terms of plastic bags and suffocation risk for children. Um, but it's more so than the bag. It's what was in the bag previously. So we know dogs, especially cats less so, they're not as curious than dogs as for food, but they have a great nose. They're smelling for that salt, that fat, whatever it is in that snack bag we 
we consumed popcorn, cheese, grated cheese, oh. whatever it is in a, from a Ziploc. And that bag, when, when discarded or accidentally uh, left on the coffee table by you know, kids or whatever, uh, that animal can get in there and no matter what size, um, can, can lose their life within three to five minutes because it's science. They're, they go in there, they lick up all those stuff or they eat the remaining, remaining uh, food in there. The bag vacuum seals to their nose and it's, it's purely science. It's the, the suction of that is... It's their nose, the way their nose is built. Our noses aren't built that way, but their noses are built so that the bag will suck up again so that it's not closed in the back. It's wide open and you're saying, wait a minute, Anne, how can they suffocate in a bag? I mean, just pull their head out, just put their paws over their head. Well, if you could teach them that, that'd be great yeah. before they do it. You know, uh, by the way, Fluffy, if this bag ever sucks into your nose, all you need to do is put your paws over your head and pull the bag off your head. Yeah. And not necessarily they'll know that at the time they need to know it. Yeah. And so we almost daily get stories of people who have lost their animals that way. And understandably so, they are completely distraught. Yeah, because and guilt-ridden. And, and uh, like, if I had only known. So this is such a great piece yeah. because... You know, I'm I'm looking at my dog's nose right now, and absolutely, once they breathe in, that's bum. And they don't—they're not mouth breathers. In fact, when they have their hiccups, I usually hold their nose closed so they can stop hiccuping. I mean, do you do that? <laughs> Clover hiccups all the time. I'll have to try it. <laughs> all you do is hold her nose closed if they're hiccuping. You know, you hold their nose closed, and then that'll make them breathe through their mouth, and that'll stop the hiccups. Oh wow. But you should check with uh, Jason first, but I'm pretty sure it works because I've been doing it for 30 years and no one has died. There have been no deaths caused by me holding somebody's nose closed for two or three seconds, not, you know, a minute or two. Yeah. Um, so that's such a great piece of information to share. And do you have any more? I mean, I love this. Oh, well, um, I, I love cats. I have one on my shoulder here. I uh, see. And also a friend on the other shoulder. Yeah. And there's dogs, dogs further down. But yeah. the, um, I'm still allergic to, to cats, so it's unfortunate because I'd love to have them. But You and I both. Many people in the office who have cats. And male cats are more predisposed to getting a urinary obstruction just because of their physiology. And... Um, a way to help prevent that is just to make sure that they get enough hydration. So that can be in the form of wet food combined with kibble if, if you want. But just that simple element of hydration in especially a male cat's um, diet can help with, with preventing that. And an obstruction, uh, if happens, that, that poor cat could die within 24 hours. And us as pet owners, we don't often, if we're not medical, we often don't know what those early signs are. So and, what are they? Well, for a cat, it's, it's, it's straining. It's straining to, to pee. But if you don't know what that, that looks like, it could be straining to defecate as opposed to urinate. So really understanding what the difference is in that body posture they will vocalize more. Um, they may, they may um, eliminate, but outside of the litter box because they're, they're doing it in places they're distressed. So they're not doing it in the right place. And people sometimes just mistake that for some kind of spite or. Yeah. Or, I went on vacation and I came home and he started peeing outside the box, but he yeah. wasn't drinking enough while I was away. 
Yeah, and the, and the whole stress of, of you being away and, and the stress of that uh, causes them to, yeah, to, to not eat or drink regularly and, and all that. So it's, it's the simple stuff of recognizing things early, recognizing what those signs are, recognizing what bloat looks like in a dog. Oh, my so, God. You'll know it when you see it. That's what I always tell people. You will know it when you see it. Yeah, and, but running a website as we do, which is a free educational resource for people, they go on there and they and they read articles and they ask us questions that, you know, if if I saw those symptoms, I would be rushing to a vet right away. But I understand that that's not always possible. I understand the cost is a barrier. I understand sometimes travel is a barrier. You're not close to one. So they're really struggling with, is this a sign to be concerned with or not? And how do I make that judgment call? Now, we're not a, a medical advice site. We can't do that without a proper relationship with the, with the client and patient, but we, we can provide some form of education. And it's information to take yeah. forward and to, and to really give you some idea of possible next steps, okay? I'm, I'm not telling you that this is what it is, but if you see something like this, you might wanna take possible next steps, which would be right. to go and visit your vet. And most of the information I've seen on your um, website has been, no pun intended, vetted by Jason, who is a vet, um, and also created by his peers and people who are really um, on the cutting edge of best practices for cares of the care of pets. Yes. There's a lot of uh, great medical resources out there. I mean, the internet is, is full of it. But what I find as a pet owner who doesn't have a medical background, that a lot of the content is really hard to understand and really doesn't always relate to my situation, my, my lifestyle, my, my circumstances. And that's what we really try to do is take something that's medical, make it as easy to under, understand as possible, try to get you those steps so you, you kind of understand the severity of the situation as quickly as possible, then move on to the rest of it. You don't need to know um, everything, you need to know the most important things first. And uh, that, that's the mission that we've, we put forward is, is becoming something that people can rely on for quick, valuable, vetted information, like you said, is really important because there are a lot of people out there, I mean, think about it from a legal perspective. People are getting advice left, right, and center, and they have no... No idea, no clue. And you know what? I know that on Preventive Vet, there's, you know, if you have a question, ask us, and, and probably someone will at least put them in the right direction. Here, these are people who we've worked with who might be able to... Um, be part of that uh, group that is helping the pet owner yes. um, live a better life with the pet. It's interesting, you know, you were talking about cats and cats tend to get into a great deal more mischief um, in some ways than dogs. My, my son just moved to an apartment and he, his cat, who's my grandkitty, Jane, um, has lived in an enclosed environment her whole life. So she's been in an apartment, in an apartment building with elevators. So there's at least three barriers to exit. Um, and my, my son, who's a stand-up com comedian as well, uses this as part of his uh, stand-up comedy. He goes, my mother doesn't care that I'm moving, but she's really worried about Jane moving uh, because now she has no barriers to exit. Yeah. And I said to him, you really need to pay attention. You need to have a, a, a screen door that slams shut like 
almost to crush your gut forbid, but you really need something that's going to be, you know, safe and, and you need baby gates on the screens and you need, and I'm a dog owner. I have never owned a cat in my life, but you from Preventivet probably give people all of this information so they can keep their indoor cats who may not know that they don't want to be outdoor cats safe within the house. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of information on our site. There's, there's exactly that you, you have an indoor cat that doesn't understand the outdoors. And if they do get out, they don't really know how to get back. Um, it's not like they've been, they've been acclimated to controlling the streets for weeks or months or years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, I mean, there's the obvious stuff of microchipping and, and making sure that hopefully they might have a collar on. Um, but a lot of people don't put collars on and, and there are risks at putting cal- collars and oh yeah they have um, to be breakaway and if they're yeah, not breakaway yeah. and they get caught yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. it's yes and moving is, is a big thing like we recommend that if if you can try to get a gps uh collar and monitor on your on your cat when you're moving because even if they're an outdoor cat they're now in a new neighborhood um so you can at least keep tabs on them <laughs> for a little while. Right, we do that with our children. Why not with our cats, right? Let's do that. You know, yeah. my sons have telephones, and um, I'd love to be able to have them turn on their GPS so I can see where they are, just for peace of mind. They don't have to talk to you, but I'd like to know where you are. Right. Um, and this has been such a phenomenal conversation. I hope you'll come back and give us some more aha moments that mm-hmm. you've learned from Preventivet, because I think that people listening to this podcast are now going to go. Holy Toledo, my male cat, I'm really going to keep an eye on him. And oh my goodness, I, I really did not know that if I leave my Doritos on the you know, table in the living room, that it might actually kill my, my dog. You know, who knew that you know, they'd suck that in? It's, you know, it's these little things that really, why do pets matter? Because we have to all work together to make sure that pets stay safe, are safe, um, live long, happy lives. And Preventivet definitely creates that platform on which people can learn information, post questions, have some way to get information that is going to make their lives with their pets um, proactive. So Preventivet, you're preventing something. You're not, you know, you're not. You, and most people, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, Deborah. Most people don't Google prevention. They Google after something has happened and they want to know what to do or why did this happen? And, and that's how many people come to our site is in seeking um, information after the fact. And so we really try hard to create that awareness before something happens. And let's never mistake that these accidents and things that happen to animals, they it's happening to pet owners who absolutely cherish and love their animals. They never meant them any harm. And that's what hurts the most. And we are really driven by that because we are so touched by those stories that come in and people feel guilty. They shouldn't. Accidents happen. That's why they're called accidents. Um, But I'm more prepared now than I ever was, but I learn something every day. So, you know, I love that wrap up because, you know, you're absolutely right. So people call me after their mother, you know, passes away and they don't have a plan for the cat and nobody wants the cat. And I'm like, okay, so we have to work through how we can find a home for the cat or the dog. But, and that's how they find me because I write about how to make a plan before, but nobody ever does that because they're not going to need it. 
and then they come to me and, and they go, oh my God. And, and usually they're converts for life as probably most of your people are. They come for one thing and they stay for all the other information. And thankfully, hopefully the pet lives through that one crisis accident, whatever. And then they say, look at this. I didn't know about this. Oh, look at that. I didn't know about that. So that's why I love having all of you on. I've had three of my favorite Preventivet people on the podcast because I just think this website provides pet owners with information that is invaluable. Uh, they just really want to seek for you to have the most positive and least um, negative relationship with your pets. Yeah. Would that be fair to say for Preventivet? Absolutely. So it's Ravenavet.com, and we are talking with the CEO, Ann Tomzik, who I love. Um, I will put that out there because I think she's one of the most brilliant people who, have, who has really come along with J Dr. Jason, um, really come along to help pet owners live the best life with their pets. So I hope, Ann, you'll come back because I want you to write down about 10 more aha moments so that we can talk about them. It is, it is really important to do uh, because on these podcasts, that's exactly what people are going to want to pick up are these moments where, holy Toledo, didn't know about that Dorito bag. So now that we have the Dorito bag safely in the garbage with the top, you know, tacked down, we're good. All you got to cut both sides of the bag so it lays flat because as we know, garbage gets gets crashed. Oh my God, never go through the garbage. <laughs> and then when it goes outside into the trash bin, it can actually blow around in the wind and then cause Again, other animals who have flat noses like dogs. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. So not only don't leave the bags out for your pets, put them in the garbage, but sort of like with the, um, the soda can plastic tops, put them up too, because those are really dangerous. So thank you so much. And I'm so glad you were here. This is Deborah Hamilton. You've been listening to Why Do Pets Matter, a podcast I host. And I'm so glad you're here. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. And this podcast is my passion. Do you have a great guest or idea for a topic you'd like me to explore? Go to my website and click contact at Hamilton Law and Mediation. That's Hamilton Law, L-A-W, and A-N-D, Mediation, M-E-D-I-A-T-I-O-N dot com. Until next week, our pets do matter. This is Deborah Hamilton thanking you for being here.